Do you love and hate the hospitality industry? Then you are in the right spot. Join your hosts, Kyle and Sarah, Sean Walsheth, and Jensen Cummings as they talk shop and give real insights into the latest restaurant news and most pressing issues facing hospitality professionals today. Welcome in to the Restaurant Idea Factory. Hey, welcome into Restaurant Idea Factory. That's Kyle. That's Sean. I'm Jensen. We're coming at you today, guys. <laughs> Last day of May. It's June. It is officially summer. So we are here with Riff23. We're talking QR Amen. code menus. Kevin Hart's vegan restaurant <laughs> and is tipping out of control. We also got wage theft, employee turnover, chat GPT in HR, and a big robotics partnership announcement as well. So we got a lot going today. Big, big robot, show man. for sure. Kyle's fired up. Sean's fired up. First, though, it's summer, you guys. Let's let's banter for a second. People uh, people want to know. Everyone's got summer plans. What are you guys doing this summer? Kyle, what are you getting into this summer? It's all about the baby this summer for me, man. We're just everything is baby oriented. We got right now. I got a, a nursing chair being delivered. Uh, yeah, I'm building cribs, getting ready say, for baby you're stuff. Getting the nursery ready all summer. Yeah. That's it. We're at the doctor today. Yeah, all good. We're getting ready to uh, bring this little guy over here. So that's going to be me, and we'll escape to the beach every once in a while. But other than that, I'll be right here. Yeah, <laughs> right here this summer. The honeydew list is going to be long <laughs> for our man Kyle here. Sean, what about you? When do you go? When do you leave for Bulgaria? Soon, right? Um, two weeks. A couple I'll weeks. Be in, I'll be in the village. Restaurant yeah. Idea Factory International <laughs> Edition. <laughs> From the village, which probably From still has village. better internet than Kyle and I. Have uh, you reached out to any? It definitely has better internet than Denver. Who is the uh, who's the hey, hey, good. I haven't had an issue. You have been you have since we shamed Kyle's you. the one now. Now Kyle is the one who's got the issues. Yeah. I'm off the hot seat. No, who's the who's the Bulgarian restaurant concept? Was it which one? Well, I remember and it wasn't a rest, they were like, Oh, we're opening in Bulgaria. Who? Oh, you, you sent oh, it. Oh, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, yeah. Mr. Beast Burgers, yeah. Maybe you link up with I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go do content at their dark kitchen and then write off all my trips. There you go. I think all you have to do is talk about it. You can write yeah. it off. There you go. Well, I'm going yeah. to Bulgaria <laughs> specifically <laughs> to go find this Mr. Beast Burger. Did that Weber Grill check come in yet? Yeah, no, they haven't paid yet. I'm waiting for that, that Village Weber delivery. Let's go <laughs> pay this man. Come on. Yeah. Content from Bulgaria. I love, I love it. Even the micro content goes goes international. Where where when and where is Mr. Beast opening a a spot in Bulgaria? Uh a bunch of places, but Bulgaria was on this international list that <laughs> um actually I think Troy tagged me in. Um he's been Mr. Beast has been really smart. I don't know if you've maybe it was Joe Rogan or somewhere he was talking about how his podcast now, his shows, his YouTube channel, excuse me, is is in like a multitude of language and the Spanish oh, yeah. language one is like the fastest growing. So he's just like going and finding actors, voice actors to voice dub into every language. You want to go open Beast Burgers in Bulgaria or China or anywhere else. Like you start doing content like that, you're going to understand where there's demand really quick. 
But didn't he also? Yeah, if Mr. If Mr. Beast's team, if your team needs any Bulgarian speakers, we've got them. My wife will make as much yes. content as needed for Mr. Beast Burger in Bulgaria. Now that's a work trip. Oh, now it's really a work trip. For the for the I, we may have spoken about it, but the the Mr. Beast in Mexico, he used the same guy that was Spider Man or Batman. Yeah. So all of a sudden, everyone was like, "Whoa!" Like they recognized that voice. Oh, for smart. real. <laughs> so smart. I mean, that's smart. I like that. All right, for us, what do we got? We got uh, camping. We're going camping this summer. We we went oh. all in and bought a bunch of camping stuff. Oh man, Betsy and I were campers, and we're like, yeah. As soon as we have kids, we're in camp all the time. Fucking zero, no camping. <laughs> zero times camping with the kids. It just sounded like such a nightmare. And so I don't know why we're gluttons for punishment. Apparently, but we're gonna be uh, hitting up some spots. So all my Colorado people, let me know where the best uh, camping spots are. Camping or, or glamping? Like, are you doing like real glamping. tents on the ground, or are you like, you know, just going to like nice little bougie tents that are already set yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, we got like the ten-person like nice tent with the twenty-inch uh, queen-size air mattress, so it's somewhere in between. But yeah, we're we're hauling it up to Netherlands. I think is the first trip, so it's it's legit camping to whatever extent. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll glamp it up. We'll we're gonna be doing we'll be doing content too. So I was, there like, you go. Let me know the places where at least the iPhone will work, so we can uh, we can do some some uh, glamping. If the, iPhone work, if the iPhone works in the village. Nobody has an excuse. I don't care where, where <laughs> right? you are. Does it really? You're, it works in the village. Come on. How do you think you saw the Weber in like in the like the depths of the village? I thought you got some Bulgarian Wi-Fi. I don't know what you did over yeah, there. You I got a like, brought satellite. I thought you had a satellite attached to a goat walking down the cobblestone. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow. All right. Well, now we have no excuse. People, let me know where the camping spots are, where we can uh, shoot some some grill side uh, cookout content for sure. Some family friendly content. All right. Summer. (laughs) S'mores content. Yeah. Get into the comments, people. We want to know what is everyone up to this summer? What are they doing at the restaurants? What are they doing outside their four walls? We want to know for sure. All right, let's get into this. What do we got first? Talking entertainment feed. All right. A lot of synergy here. A lot of stories going around. Kevin Hart's plant-based chain is coming straight for Hollywood's Chick-fil-A and in and out This was by Mona Holmes in Eater LA. Let's see what they had to say. Hart House isn't going for subtlety. This was interesting. While construction of the Hollywood outlet was still underway, a sign read, we're open Sundays. This was a shot across the bow at chick-fil-a so they're going straight for the neck man of the competition there at sunset (laughs) boulevard and highland right there in uh in hollywood so more celebrity news we're talking always it seems like about somebody slapping their name on something i was interested what you guys thought about this then the timing was on point sean maybe you kick us off because you just had the ceo kevin's co-founder on restaurant influences i just saw a clip of that so Give us some uh, inside baseball. What's happening with that uh, with that concept? As I think this is location four for them. Yeah, I just interviewed uh, Andy Hooper, who's the CEO of Hard House, and it's certainly from my conversation with him and the research I did for the show was this isn't Kevin Hart slapping his name on the brand. This is Kevin Hart going all in and hiring people much smarter than him in the restaurant space. People like Andy Hooper to run the brand and to get better food to more people. Um, it's really exciting what they're doing. If you follow Hard House, my Hard House on Instagram, 
Uh, I mean, Kevin Hart has, I think, over 250 million followers wow. across all of his platforms. If you put, yeah. you know, just it's Instagram delivered. alone, 160 million followers. But, um, you know, what Andy was talking about is because of that responsibility, because Kevin Hart is such a force multiplier in the space, they have to execute at the highest level oh, because man. of the attention. I mean, they did a collaboration with our guy, Keith Lee. Keith Lee came out oh, yeah. and oh, he that. told oh, Kevin Hart, he's like, listen, I'm going to be honest. If the food sucks, I'm going to tell my people that it sucks. And Kevin's like, I just want you to write an honest review or give, you know, do an honest TikTok about our brand. And, um, you know, it was a really cool collaboration you could see on Keith Lee's page or on um, Hart House's page. But yeah, it's it's really exciting. And I, I don't have a problem with them taking shots. I mean, we all know that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Why not? I mean, it's not it's not so much of a shot as like, you know, it's not closed Monday. It's closed Sunday. It's open Monday and open. <laughs> Didn't Sunday. take a shot at Kyle in the closed Monday podcast. <laughs> well, now that I do, not, I not yet. Why, 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 why are you going to go there? Oh my God. What do you mean? My 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 kids wear these closed Monday hats. <laughs> if, if another person asks me for a closed Monday hat, I'm going to slap them. <laughs> so no. Link in my and, bio. And Come on. Yeah, yeah link in my bio. bio. They don't want to for it. They, they want it sponsored by closed Monday. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, with that Mr. Beast money you have. Totally. I think yeah. it's a I think it's a move I would go for. I'd go after In and Out. I'd go after Chick-fil-A. Like punch above your weight. Like create some attention. Obviously, Kevin knows how to do that. And so I think it's a I think it's a smart move for yeah, sure. Yeah, just not I, I can imagine somebody like Kevin Hart is not gonna go, well, let's just see how we do. You know, he's gonna go out there and fucking yeah, I'm taking aims at at the big guys, let's see what they got. I love that. Yeah, I haven't heard him talk on a few different, uh, more business-minded podca- podcasts. I think he was talking to Grant Cardone and, like, sold him a pair of shoes, like, on the spot, like a pro. And, you know, he's like, he used to work at Foot Locker or something. So he's got that salesmanship to him, which I think uh, pays dividends. And then I saw him on Shark Tank randomly as we literally were playing this maybe two days ago. Saw him on Shark Tank of a clip where they had a, pl- a place called Project Pollo that's San Antonio, Texas-based, that's doing something similar, was going in there, this dude was asking for 50 mil uh, for whatever percentage or the valuation of this Project Pollo. Just saw that Project Pollo sold, so quite a few people hopped into my comments on a, on a You Heard video that I did asking if Kevin Hart's company was actually the one that purchased it since he was on Shark Tank with him. I don't believe that that's the case, but you see that there's a lot of movement around the plant-based meat space when it comes to concepts. Kyle, you talked about it from NRA. You had a whole list, right, of spots that you noticed, Chunk and a few others yeah. that were uh, moving in that space. So what's what's your takeaway? What do you see happening in the in this as a trend? Is it a fad? What's going on? You know, I think it's uh, – I think what people are confused with, they think that it's like vegans. Like, well, why would a vegan want to eat a fake egg? Why would a vegan want to eat a fake brisket? I think that it's – for more like people want options. They want the ability to like, Hey, I'm not I'm just trying to cut back on my meat, but I would like something similar. I think that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. So I think just having the options, um, I think it's all going to be concept specific. I don't think everyone's going to have to do it. I think, I think, you know, steakhouses, I know they do like the mushroom thing and I don't think they're going to see them going that route, but I could see it be pretty prominent for a while, unless something changes with all of a sudden the diet, like plants aren't good for everybody and go back to eating meat and, I don't know. I think we'll see. But I think it's going to be out here. It's going to be around for a while. Well, some of the debate that I saw around it, this was even mentioned that Shark Tank episode with with Project Pollo was Project Pollo specifically and and Heart House to some degree, too, aren't necessarily healthy. It's not healthy food. It's just meatless food. 
So that question comes into play sometimes is, is the non-meat as an option still being potentially decadent? Is that where the trend's going? Or is it non-meat as a healthy option? And if that's the case, some of the more kind of fried chicken type concepts aren't necessarily looking for that market. So I'm wondering if that, if that market segment splits at some point or if it one direction or the other decadence non-meat or healthy non-meat become more prolific within the space was that at any point sean something you guys talked about within their kind of menu composition with hard house not really i mean i think there's there's just a huge opportunity to kyle's point is that people want options and if it's an unhealthy healthy option makes them feel less guilty of going there (laughs) Like uh, I'm not, I'm not eating, I'm, I'm not eating a, an in and out burger, but I'm eating a Kevin Hart sandwich that's supposed to be chicken, but it's not chicken. And it's that therefore it should be healthier. I dig it. All right. More to come on this. I'm sure we'll pay attention. Kevin Hart will make sure that this is top of mind for us as they go. Uh, the full episode with Corey out yet. I just saw the clip, Sean. Yes. Full episode on entrepreneur.com. All right, get there. Entrepreneur.com. Check out the uh, interview with the CEO of Hart House, Kevin Hart's partner there. All right, let's get into this next segment here. Let's talk a little reading reviews presented by Marquee. Marquee is a one-stop digital operations platform for no-touch digital menu and listing updates. As always, we love hearing from our guy, Avi. Last week on the Riff podcast, the question came up, can you edit your review responses on sites like Google, Yelp, and Facebook? I want to take a deeper dive into this topic. First, you absolutely can edit your responses to Facebook and Google reviews. Um, I think Sean actually mentioned that you can't edit your responses in Yelp, but can flag them. To clarify, you actually can edit your review responses in Yelp, and Sean, I hate disagreeing with you in public. Um, And you can handle all of your responding and editing past responses within the Marquee's review response product as well, which hopefully should make it a bit easier. The question I want to ask is, should you? If I remember correctly, this conversation was inspired by the idea of AI review responses. Me personally, and therefore Marquee, takes the position that no AI response should be blindly posted without a human review or a human touch. We spoke to a lot of restaurants and hospitality groups at the National Restaurant Association show. I won't you know, identify the NRA acronym. Uh, and they're all concerned about the balance between saving time with AI and staying true to their brand and high-touch guest experiences. Whether you're using ChatGPT, another service, or an intern, someone from your team should always review the AI or intern uh, review suggestions to make sure it matches your brand voice, says what you want it to. That's why at Marquee, we combine both AI and HI, human intelligence, for our managed review response service. Of course, there are other times you may want to make a correction. You caught a typo, realize you forgot to drop an extra thank you. You're responding at 1 a.m. and just forgot a bunch of stuff you wanted to say. Uh, or you want to include your guest name. But on the whole, it's important to take the extra second Read your review responses carefully before posting so you don't have to worry about editing in the future. As Sean and my dad once said, if it's on the internet, it lives forever. Uh, let us know what you think. It lives forever. Oh, man. 
Avi disagreed with Sean and Sean just <laughs> left the show. Just walked off the soundstage. Wow, yeah. Avi, how could you disagree Hagen, with Sean? Yeah, relax. It's just an opinion. Sean, it's okay. Right? He was just he, he was just he was just joshing you. It's totally it's totally can't fine. Take, some people can't take the back. There you go. Oh, he fell I'm, conf- I'm confirming he's right. Because I can't edit it from my phone. I'm he's seeing it from the desktop. He's on Yelp right now. <laughs> Let's nice, can we, can nice we swing on that mic here and show the live update of of a comment live on there. So this is yeah, share your screen. part about this show. Maybe sometimes for for Sean is the fact that he's getting to learn about some of his tech stack partners like on the fly. He's like, oh fuck, I didn't know I could do that. Why didn't anybody <laughs> tell me I can do that? We should Steven. have that. Goddamn it! <laughs> Did you know that we could do this? He's like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this live on here. All right, this is more and more I have an update. What's the real time Avi update? What do you got? Breaking correct. news. Obvious correct. Of I was incorrect. You can edit a Yelp review, but you can only do it from a desktop, which makes it so stupid. Oh, when we man. First, when we were first restaurant, the biggest complaint that I had with Yelp was that you could not respond to a review from your mobile phone. You actually had to log into a desktop to respond to a review. And now here we are again with the same stupid thing. Please Yelp, allow a restaurant owner from the Yelp app that you've created, a great app that you have, allow a restaurant owner to edit the response from the mobile. What's happening here? I have to go to a desktop? What is this, 1985? I gotta get a got onto a fax. Throughout the whole rhythm of this show, you having to go to a laptop. What the fuck? Come on, Yelp. <laughs> we gotta do better. Be better. Mobile first. Everybody's Be on their phone, including Be better. operators and managers. In real time, you gotta be able to do this because so you literally can't do it from your phone, but you can do it from a desktop. Come on. We need to get rid of these back office desktop computers for managers. I wonder why that is. It's because some programmer hasn't yeah. updated it. That's yeah. right. Like just have to madness. toggle a switch, probably. Madness. Like, oh, I thought I did it. Absolute madness. Brian Dragon says this ain't Oregon Trail. That's right. Let's go. Twenty twenty three. I believe it. Ryan's Ryan Ryan. Do you when you when you edit when you if you want to edit your Yelp response, do you drive back to your home or do you do it from your actual pizza? From Sanctuary Pizza, where he's actually cooking pizzas. Yep. He can actually respond on his phone. Yeah. Doesn't have to go to a, some workspace, some WeWork, Internet some Cafe. WeWork. Yeah, some Internet Cafe to respond <laughs> to review. I mean, aren't we getting rid of the of the broom That's closet, true. aka the Freddy Cougar room, where all of the back office stuff was historically housed? And you mean the separate computer that you have tablets to have now? <laughs> you got to have a separate computer that no one can access the internet. Can on? you do it from a tablet? Uh, New I question. Don't know. New question. Now, can you do that from a tablet? But it, at the very least, you got to be able to do it from a tablet. Real time always wins. That's right, Ryan. Preach. Tablet. Yeah, exactly. Real time. Nobody. All right. So win. then the question, should we? Should we be editing these? What is the ramifications of editing a review response and having it potentially be done through AI, the human touch, the timing of it? What do we think about that, Kyle? Should reviews responses be edited see there you go ray ray's got it spot on programmers never worked in a restaurant and don't know we yeah. don't have time well, that's yeah we problem. don't have time for that nonsense they don't Getting they don't that's yeah. computer 
they yeah. create and then they Rainbow's. go to the restaurants to like test instead just of because like, you're on a desktop doesn't mean we want to be on one i definitely don't because <laughs> you be have four one. screens surrounding you <laughs> doesn't mean the rest of us do no mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I don't know i think an ai response to a customer that's like about a complaint is right now i think kind of dicey but at the rate we're going i'm sure probably by uh the end of the summer we'll have, have that under control but Right now, I think you don't want to risk it that. I think it's more like for general stuff, like we were witnessing at the show. Oh, you open for brunch, you have parking, you know, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. But to re- to respond to a specific complaint, that could go, that could backfire real quick, right? I mean, have you guys messed with ChatGPT? Their responses are sometimes a little corny, a little, they're not r- right where you want them to be. So if it's not on brand, it's not, not helpful at all. Yeah, it could turn somebody off pretty quick. I think the timing that we talked about last week with, you know, oh, it'll do an auto response, but it'll wait 30 minutes. You can time it out so it doesn't happen in less than 10 seconds. And then you know that it's oh, yeah. potentially a bot, how that's working. I mean, if you send a response to somebody and that's generated by AI and they get that real-time response and then they potentially respond back to that upset about your response to their review or anything like that, what happens then? Now you're talking about being downstream in a, in a dialogue with somebody. Is AI having that whole conversation? Because that, to me, is very problematic. Much more problematic than the singular response that's on brand or whatever it might be. And then you're having to go back and edit those. But then, <laughs> then the conversation doesn't track because you're editing something because you don't want people to see the corny response. But then the person's response to your response then doesn't track with the conversation you're having. And then you're creating an artificial snapshot of the way you're interacting with customers. That to me is potentially problematic. Yeah. Because then they're going to be like, Oh, and, and then you, somebody could pick up on the fact that it's an AI response, Like, Oh, and then you don't have the, you can't respond to me. You give me an AI response. And now you're that guy. Yeah. You're going to see those. Oh, thanks for the bot response. You're going to see that kind of stuff from people. And that's a big red flag. You start seeing those, you got you got serious problems. You need to go back to the laboratory and work on that for sure. So, all right, Avi, I don't know if we answer your question, but uh, you got you got you got Sean onto his laptop. Somebody marked the fucking calendar. Desktop. This is this is the laptop. Desktop. I actually had to go sit at a desk. What? Confirm. Have a desktop. Wait a minute. (laughs) Confirm that. Oh man, you have a computer from two thousand and six. It's dial up. It's making a bunch of noise. <laughs> yep. Oh man. All right. All right, Avi. Thanks for getting us getting us going. I think we got we got more AI and ChatGPT to talk about today, people. Hundred percent. All right. Next up, we got. What do we got? We got some emphasizing teams. Let's get into that. What do we have here? Uh, This is from Eater San Francisco by Paulo Pacheri. He said, this classic San Francisco steakhouse will pay $200,000 to workers after wage theft allegation. In 2020, workers filed a class action lawsuit against Bobo's Steakhouse and Bobo's Burger Bar. Seen these before, right? There's been plenty of class action suits in the past with uh, things like that with with garnishing tips, with holding on to tips, with managers getting paid out to tips. What's different now is the fact that it's becoming news. Like there's nowhere to hide for restaurants that are having these kinds of pretty major, major issues. So we want to take a step back and do we see this happening more often with technology? That's been mentioned quite a few times that like, I don't see my tips in my hands. 
and I don't see them until they come across through some digital platform. I'm unclear on what tips were coming from what days did I get all my tips? Am I having to track mm -hmm. individual days? How are they breaking those down? So I think that there's some macro concerns on top of just potentially bad actors like, uh, like this getting kind of busted for some, uh, improper practices. So what do you guys think about this? What, what exactly did they do with the tips? Well, they weren't paying out tips uh, properly. The the details of which uh, weren't exactly released, but there was there was several bad practices, including they were also not allowing them breaks, but they were scheduled for breaks so that they didn't pay them for those breaks, but they made them work for that time. Yikes. So there's wage and tip theft is what it sounded like both on both sides. Wow. So big problems. That's a huge problem. Now that there was like there was a company there at the show that was like digitizing tips or something like that made them get it they got it every day like they could sign off on it like hey these said this is said your tips are you okay with it the technology got to be there to do it but people stealing the tips I mean that was a downfall over here with this restaurant Terry Lodge with Mario Batali and Joe Bastianich they were like taking tips from the, the sommelier or something or managers were taking tips from the sommelier um, it's just shitty real shitty yeah putting salary people into the tip pool somehow is a big one. So I think there was that. That's what we've seen more of. The wage theft side of it, I think, was they mentioned the breaks. So people had, you know, mandated California laws in most states now where, you know, it, within your first five hours, you need a 30-minute kind of lunch break. And every four hours, a 15-minute break. And now with some scheduling platforms, if any of those, like a, like a lunch break or anything like that, is unpaid, they can take you off, but they were taking them off the clock potentially for what was supposed to be paid automatically, not known to them. So that's that's what right. I was trying to read between the lines. It was still a little vague on the details of that because I think you know the case was just decided upon. They're paying two hundred thousand oh, dollars. Stop yeah. fucking around, people. Two hundred thousand dollars. You can get like insurance against that stuff, but it doesn't cover the fine. It only covers legal fees. Yeah, yeah. So you get there's a bakery over here got busted. There are a lot of there are a lot, there's a lot of chatter around, uh, particularly like in f f like Spanish speaking newspapers. Mm -hmm. Like attorneys are putting ads in those papers. Like, hey, do you work in a restaurant? Do you get paid overtime? Are you collecting tips? Are you paid cash in tips, etc. And then if they get enough people, then it's like they'll approach the guy. And it happens at the bakery over here. Two hundred same thing. Two hundred thousand uh, dollars. Fine. Yeah, especially anybody who's. But, who's not a native English speaker, like they for sure get take advantage of. And this is what we talked about with, with the uh, child labor stuff last week. Like, I think there's so many people doing things so differently and so right, so much better than we came up in the industry. Yet these are the stories that we keep hearing because there are bad actors. And this is what gives restaurants a black eye. You see this, you're like, yeah, see, I'm not going to work at a restaurant. Yeah. I'm 16 years old. They're going to be stealing my tips. They're not going to be giving us breaks. Like, why would I want to go into that arena? And so we got to, we got to amplify some of the, the good practices that are, uh, that are happening across the industry. So this is more of what we have to overcome. Just understanding that this is what people are seeing and looking at and saying, well, if this is the way that restaurants are, then count me out. So always one bad apple, right? We got some more, we got some more work to do for sure. All right. What are you guys doing for tip processes, Sean? Uh, what do you mean? What do we do? Uh, do you guys do you guys tip out cash? Do you guys tip out on checks? Tip out on checks once a week. We're working, once a week. Yeah, we're working at a tip out on checks uh, weekly. So we do weekly payroll. 
Yep. Do you have to do weekly payroll in California? No. We chose, we switched over to weekly payroll like in 2012. You also do actually, weekly inventories? You crunching all your numbers weekly? Yeah. I remember when we went from once a quarter to once a month to once a week, all the, <laughs> everyone bitching and moaning about it. Man, it's so much better. Like that's just, you have to be running your business like that. Weekly. Some of the tip has, out, to be, has to be weekly. Has, yeah. to, has to be weekly. And Kyle, as you were mentioning, like you, you're reconciling daily though. Like you're running a batch daily. So the fact that you're paying out tips and some of those things, but keeping cash out of hand, I love keeping cash out of hand. That was always problematic. Things like that. Just pure safety was always an issue with having cash tips. So I like to net cash. I mean, how, what's your cash to credit card ratio, Sean? Us, we only have about 10% cash. 10%. Wow. wow. I wish yeah. it was zero. I wish we were cashless. Yeah, for sure. Do it. Do it. Ten percent. Oh man. All right. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Let's move on. Let's talk a little tech stack. Some more Chat GPT. This was from Restaurant Business Online. Chat GPT's first restaurant job could be in HR. Mm. Joe here has a couple of things I want to want to mention here. So let's see. Some of the AI chatbot features to be on the lookout for are MIA from Workstream, Harry Engage, and Expand Share. There are ethical questions to consider to keep in mind when using AI in the hiring process, said Jen Rivali, CMO of Hiring and Retention Platform. Harry, companies have to ensure that the technology can assess candidates without discrimination. People will share more with technology and with a bot than they would with a person, Rivali said. They can help operations set expectations, and even predict turnover. People will share more with technology and a bot than they will with a person. That, to me, was really interesting and fascinating. And so I was reflecting on that. I'm almost to hopping on ChatGPT every single day to just try and continue to, like, learn and interact in that space to try and understand it. And what I'm more interested in is not actually the output at the end, what you might send to somebody. What I think is interesting about ChatGPT is the ability to learn on the back end and take in so much information and have it have it kind of condensed down into something that my dumbass can understand. Right. I think Kyle was the one who said, explain it to me like a five-year-old, right? And I, yeah. I use that all the time. And then sometimes I'm like, damn, there's some smart five-year-olds. Where are you where are you finding <laughs> these five-year-olds? Yeah. But I think for restaurants it would be interesting to kind of be brainstorming on the back end. So for example, I mentioned we're going to be going camping a lot this summer. And so I was interested in kind of that outdoor lifestyle and RV living and camping and outdoor tourism and maybe a couple of companies we could connect with and, you know, use their camping stove and a cooking video, stuff like that and do a little yeah. influencer deal. Why not? And so I know nothing about that space. So I was like, break it down for me. It broke down all these different categories of how, Companies are, are in that space from manufacturers of products, suppliers, rental companies, tourism companies, things like that. I was like, okay, that's interesting to me. And I learned a whole bunch about that segment that I never would have understood before. And then I was actually like, hey, write me an email to send to one of these companies to be able to say, hey, I make content. You guys want to potentially do a, a brand deal. And it, and it wrote it. And then the second part, I learned a lot. The second part was, I don't mind telling ChatGBT, that's fucking corny as hell. Mm -hmm. rewrite that i don't like this i do like this and if you're brainstorming on the back end you're working with your culinary team you're working with your bar team and you're brainstorming there's lots of ideas that come out into the ethos that are no good that are just 
garbage. But how do you have a process of creativity where you're inclusive of lots of ideas and are still able to give like really good feedback? I've struggled with that. I think a lot of restaurants have struggled with that. And so I think the ability to be able to do some brainstorming with without emotion on the back end for restaurants that you can have somebody to vent to and learn from is potentially something that I see a lot of potential for restaurant operators, restaurant leaders. So there's my little rant there. I, I think that what people think about the chat GBT is that one, that initial thing is going to be the answer when you can, you can, they don't get their understanding that you can train it. You can help it understand the more you help it understand. Like to your point, the more that it's going to actually evolve. And you know, like I've gone into it and said, <clears throat> and asked it to do things and said, those are pretty basic. Please try again. Actually, let me give you a little more insight into this. And then it's crazy. It's like, Oh, thank you. Okay. Now I understand. Like even for, if I say I'm focused on uh, crafting a letter to franchise directors on how I could help them, you know, map out their real estate pipeline for their franchisees. It'll do it. It's not great, but it's further along than I would have gotten, you know, had I started writing that letter for the first time, you know, eight years ago, it's, it's, um, it's, I, you know, it, there's, there's a lot, like we said, this is only like what, six months old. There's a lot, there's a lot coming and there's a lot more you could do with it, but I think it's great for getting an idea going for sure. At least at a very bare minimum. Well, that's part of on the back end of the idea side. Like, I don't think a lot of us in restaurants, a lot of people that are making those hiring decisions, potentially HR departments as, as a whole, honestly, are joked far too often. In a lot of these bigger companies that, that are hiring the Dardens of the world. So I hear a lot of horror stories about the HR process that aren't really here for the employees. But I think if you can start a dialogue with ChatGPT that can pull from all kinds of resources and understand what are the, the challenges that people are having, what kind of questions could we ask people about their experience and get better at asking those questions, get better at understanding the humans on the other end because people are more willing to tell the internet or a bot as, as mentioned, what they really think than they are in the sit down checkout process with a manager at the end of a shift, right? And so that's where I think they could probably learn a little bit more and use the learning function and capabilities, the brainstorm capabilities of ChatGPT to be in a better position on the HR side. And then some of these platforms that then allow you to manage the process of interacting with hiring and retention. That makes sense to me. So, Sean, where's your head at? What's the question? <laughs> I don't even know. ChatGPT and the hiring process? Will you hire ChatGPT as your head of HR? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, inconclusive. <laughs> to be determined. Signs point to maybe. Yeah. Inconclusive. Thank you for sending your resume. Yes. We'll skip back to the. You'll get back to them. Are you using any feedback? Like like Seven Shifts has a, a feedback platform where where it can prompt staff to say you know how was today's shift type of thing and and it can aggregate that it can look at information like people are regularly calling off or showing up late, things like that as a, as a process to check in or using any features like that. Yeah. We're using that with seven shifts. It's awesome. Yeah. Give us an example. What, what have you felt like? I didn't even realize like, Oh shit, that makes total sense. Now that it kind of put that, uh, you know, to my, I mean, attention. just, just checking in on the shift is the best, you know, just getting the pulse of the shift of finding out, is there somebody that might not be having a great shift or multiple shifts in a row where they didn't feel Mm. like you know maybe there's a problem with the manager or something like that 
They're like, this guy's always creating content in my face. <laughs> can't get rid of him. He's like, yeah, over here trying to make some ribs. This guy, this guy in his TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, stupid Bert, close Monday hat on. Yeah, Bernice, like, on, Bernice on Monday was like, no more TikTok videos. You guys, It was too busy in this restaurant. I need, a, Monday, I need a TikTok Day. timeout, please. TikTok timeout. I'm going to get Bernice a close Monday hat. Breaking the, yeah, breaking oh, yeah. the internet. He's wearing the 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 gloves to to work with the ribs. You need some closed Monday gloves. Hey, you know, the black like butcher gloves. Those will look sick, man. And then that way, because Bernice, a lot of times Sean's kind of over her shoulder, right, looking at the ribs. I saw recently she was like buttering up a whole a whole tray of ribs. So you got to get the gloves because then you get that brand recognition like on the fingers. Closed Monday go. tattooed on the fingers. Let's go. Yeah, word. You want to sponsor? You want to sponsor my TikTok channel? <laughs> we could do a deal right here. Can we? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give. I'll. I'll, uh, I'll give you a good deal. I need Bernice in on this call. Bernice yeah. is in. I'm representing need- <laughs> Bernice. Kyle wants to talk directly. I have to her the best talent. interest at heart. I have to talk right to the talent. I can't go. Yeah. No, nope, you're talking to the talent agent right uh, here. Let's yeah. go. Take it You get a two for one. You get Ber- you get Bernice and Artemio and Jose. Actually, you get a three for one. Hey. Well, did that you means, grab a name? A throw in Swiderski, and you got no. Swiderski is not a throw in. Swiderski gets paid more. That's Does, premium talent. What you is this beast level talent? You got. You need to pay more. What What is your smoker's name? What smoker? Which one? We have four of them. We haven't named know. them yet. Actually, we're waiting. We're waiting well, for the Bobby, rest. Ricky, and Mike. We're getting more smokers, so we oh, don't should wanna... do a charity uh, fundraise for getting uh, naming rights to those. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Seen some of that. Like it. All right. <laughs> So conclusion, we have no idea what the hell chat GPT is going to do, but we got to keep finding ways to interact with it because it's going to be a part of the restaurant industry to the, to the end. If, if we can filter out like a bit based on availability or what position you're looking for, you know, that would be helpful. I mean, how many times has somebody walked into the restaurant? Like, Oh, I heard you guys are looking for somebody like, Oh, I can't work Sunday. You know, like if, if you eliminate that whole piece, just the basic stuff, I think would be pretty sweet. Yeah. The details for sure. And then when you get to the human interaction stuff, make it human. All right. Next up, Sleep at Nights, presented by Davo. Davo automates sales tax payments and filings so restaurateurs can spend time on what actually makes them money. Always. We're hearing from David Joseph, co-founder. Here we go. Employee turnover. I wish I could just say hire robots, but it is not going to replace a human. There are people out there thinking really, really hard about this. Companies like Seven Shifts, companies like Homebase, your payroll companies thinking about it too. It's very expensive to, to upload another employee and uh, it's easier to maintain them. A lot of it is about employee satisfaction and being able to communicate with your employees and, and hearing uh, whether things are frustrating or not working. What is working and how do we make that better for them? Uh, employee retention is really important because you need consistency within the business. This is really important. My restaurant, I had someone who worked for me from the day I opened till the day I closed, 17 years. How about that? Retaining your employees. Get on the floor, know them, listen to them. Don't turn a blind eye to, to what employees are telling you. Hmm. 17 years. Yeah, employee. That's uh, that's pretty unreal. Yeah, David, thanks for that. So I think theme here, we're talking employees, we're talking AI, and obviously where they kind of cross over. So employee turnover, I mean, just to give some historical statistics, so we've always been a very transient industry. We're typically around 70% 
turnover rates. Those numbers got way up into the into the 80s as an average over the last about four plus five years. And then through the pandemic, I mean, it was well, well over 100% turnover rates. That's kind of stabilized. We're below 100% turnover rate. So that's, I think, uh, speaking volumes to some of the good practices being deployed now, wages, benefits, culture, education, those pieces. But uh, employee turnover, we look at the direct cost of labor being the highest within your P&L. The reality is the cost of attrition is unreal when you're talking about $6,000 annualized for a line level, maybe $13,000, $14,000 for a manager. So these numbers add up really quick, and the cost of turnover can be higher than the cost of direct labor quite often. So employee turnover, 17 years. Damn, man. What's the longest uh, employee tenure you guys have had at any of your spots? There's some guys still working on the mile rush. I know that. So that would be like probably the hell years of this year, 13, 14 years. That's great. That's I pretty impressive. At, at five years, man, even that, that feels like lifetimes working with people that long. Uh, one of the things that helped when I had uh, good, good retention was uh, multiple concepts kind of under the same umbrella. So you could move people between restaurant types because it, it does it gets stale it's really hard to work at a single place doing the same job for for that long so i want to hear from everyone in the comments what's the longest tenured employee give them a shout out who are those unsung hospitality heroes sean what about for you tenure Avalardo. avalardo's been working since i was bussing tables back when i was 13 years old damn as a hero avalardo we're good Get, that, get him a closed Monday shirt and a restaurant yeah. real estate hoodie. Get him yeah, all let me talk it. to him for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Alarda's the best. Oh, that's amazing. What's uh what's what's he been he's done every job in the restaurant, I'm sure, by now. Yeah. He's uh he's literally the best. There's no one on earth that can make eggs better than Avalardo, and we're no longer a breakfast concept. So <laughs> don't, don't try to steal him because he's now a barbecue pit master. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just an egg guy. I'm not making eggs no more. Maybe you haven't heard right. that. Egg he's cook is always the highest paid paid person graduated. anywhere hourly that I had on any of my perils. You can cook. That was eggs. the first job I got thrown into. Ooh, like, yeah, go make omelets. First job. I never oh, made that. Yeah, I was, had to be 16 years old. I went from washing dishes to being the like the the guy at the brunch buffet who made eggs. So just take all. Oh, this and stuff. you had to do it in front of people. The the table side style oh, that's, that's, that's brutal things yeah that is brutal that is that is brutal you gotta you gotta face your critics <laughs> big time yeah well, he, the, i remember the chef being like these people are just here for the free mimosas they don't care what the omelets look like i'm like all right uh, let's do this <laughs> what's uh <laughs> what do you got what are you guys seeing as far as what's uh what's affecting employee turnover what do we see that are some things we still need to knock that shit off and some things that we want to really see triple down on um, I don't know, but like four groups that I know between yesterday and today have reached out to me asking me if I knew people looking for cooks, looking for jobs. So I don't know. Maybe it's the summer. These guys are looking for a change, but I don't know. It seems like there's, at least in my experience, a lot of people looking for new new jobs, looking for a change right now. Yeah, we still haven't equalized. There's still, <laughs> there's still a surplus of jobs for sure for restaurants technology and scaling down hours and all these things have not have not hit an equilibrium i don't think they ever will we're going to need 
a larger, more motivated uh, workforce in the restaurant industry. There's no doubt about that, especially as it starts to scale back up. So I think if you're only thinking about cut and control and about technology and efficiency and all those things, do that. You also got to be thinking about investing in those most valuable assets, the people. Why you for you, Sean? What are you seeing that's working? I mean, it's what's always worked: take care of people. If you take care of people, and they are excited to come to work. Share the vision, the bigger vision of what you're building. Don't just go through the motions. Exactly right. All right. Next up, let's talk a little robotic revelation here. This was a big announcement that came through PR Newswire. From AI Authority, Miso Robotics announces Ecolag partnership and investment. Hmm. Miso Robotics creators of Flippy2, Cookwright, and Sippy announced a new partnership <laughs> and multi-million dollar investment from Ecolab, the world's water hygiene and infection prevention company. This is big time. Ecolab is legacy company for sure. The fact that they are investing, not just partnering up, but investing, they're putting money behind something like Miso Robotics, tells me that a lot of these companies know that robotics are a major part of their future, even if they don't know how to deploy them, right? There wasn't this like, hey, we're going to build this kind of robot. They're like, hey, we're going to invest in you and partner with you so that you can figure out what kind of robot a dishwashing and chem chemical dispersion company needs, right? So that's a big play, right? They're not saying we want you to build the dishwasher of the future. They're saying we don't know what the dishwasher of the future is. That was a big takeaway for me. Thoughts? I think, I mean, I noticed that those robots, a lot of them were when you'd walk up to those booths at the show, the, the first thing they wanted to show you was the cleaning robot. Right. And I think obviously Ecolab is like, well, say it, Sean. Say it. But the Roomba? Hey, okay. <laughs> the <laughs> restaurant Roomba? That's got to be five or six straight episodes. Roomba. That's the it. Restaurant yeah. Roomba is right. That's, that's the move. I think get, get two of those suckers in there cleaning that place. I mean, do you think because it still has that instant effect of like the infomercial where you're like, wow, look at that, how clean it got, where <laughs> some of the other robots, it's a little bit more of a complicated process, something like that, or that's just, they're just used to that uh, salesman showmanship type. Well, thing. I think they, they need, I think, I think it's a smart move by the robotics company, right? And getting connected with Ecolab, that's smart. And it's kind of like selling accessories for the iPhone. If you can get in on the robot game, but just provide, still provide your same chemicals in different formats or whatever, however that looks, whatever that looks like, I think it's smart, right? I think it's Ecolab now is another channel to sell their stuff through. We have the whole line of our same products designed for Miso Robotics. It's genius. Who, com who competes with Ecolab? Autoclore. 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 I think is the the other major player, and then I think there's probably some regional stuff but autoclore and, and you can buy like you could buy from like the, your supplier i think too like detergent and shit but then you have to buy your own machine mm -hmm. you have eagle lab yeah. so like eagle lab and yeah, autoclore they're the dish machine but really they're in the chemical dispersion business the dish machine is just the vehicle for that oh, right and the mop sink is the vehicle for that that's really the game that they're in the titration what, of chemicals what's the other one that does um like bathroom stuff like they do the matching like Paper towel dispenser, soap dispenser. Alsco? No, I don't know. Or someone's different. They're like Alsco's definitely in that game. Every restaurant. They're like bringing the colors to match your restaurant. Like if your restaurant's blue, you'll have the blue matching one. It's like in every restaurant. Yeah, I forget what they're called. Hmm. Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, yeah there's lots of people that do little segmentation. And I think, yeah. as far as I know, Autochlor and Ecolab are the two big Cintas. Yes, that's go. it. Cintas. Thanks, David. Nice there way to go. jump in. There you go. David knows Appreciate that. Okay. So big, uh, big announcement there. I think more of that to come. Well, I think you're just going to see some of these these larger companies where robotics or AI makes sense, which for a lot of companies, it makes sense. You're going to see them kind of trying to acquire or make a partnership where they basically have a robotics or an AI department mm. so that they can be on the forefront of development and innovation on that versus having to then figure it out themselves or acquire these companies later when they're much, much bigger or have to compete against them as they've completely disrupted them. So you're going to see, I think you're going to see a lot more of this in uh, in a lot of different segments, AI and robotics partnerships and acquisitions. They're coming. They are coming for yeah, sure. The most impressive thing I saw was the French fry uh, robot. Flippy too? Yeah. You could, you could work alongside of it and it would work at a certain speed as to not bump into you. But if you stepped away, it kind of just went on its own thing. Like if you were working next to it on the grill and having to go back, but it went underneath the dispenser thing. It went up. It, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, Troy, Troy had mentioned when he co-hosted with us that Chipotle was testing them for chips as well. Yeah. That's a major mover for them. So, all right, robotics. It's, it's holding steadfast that every week we got something to talk about with the robots. Let's talk about a very human human now. Let's talk a little guest experience presented by <laughs> Ovation. Ovation is a two-question survey platform for real-time feedback, better online reviews, and happier guests. Is it still just a two-question survey platform, Zach? Because, man, every time you're coming on here, you got some <laughs> new some new fire that you're dropping. So let's hear what Zach has to say this week. As this is going to be the first recording Post NRA, I do have to say it was an unreal time there. It was so much fun hanging out with Kyle, hanging out with Sean. You guys are awesome. Uh, I had so much fun that I got no sleep. And when I came back, they looked at my eyes, saw the bags underneath them and said, those babies need to be checked. No, I'm kidding. They didn't. But it was such an incredible experience. The one thing that stood out to me more than anything else is that while typically we in the restaurant business are the last ones to get on the train. That AI train came with full steam to the NRA show. It was incredible to see all the AI opportunities out there. And as we announced last week on the show, Ovation has launched our own AI-powered suggested responses, making it so easy to respond to that guest. And again, it's not about taking the humans out of hospitality. It's about empowering your people to do better, to be more, and to make sure that they have the tools to succeed. And that's what AI was doing at NRA. Unreal to see all these different applications. Uh, question for you guys. What did you see at NRA that impressed you with uh, AI? And what should restaurants be doing? How do we get aboard the AI train? Because choo choo, it's a coming. <laughs> <laughs> This guy. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. We went with the conductor uh, <laughs> performance and the ice cream shirt. Oh, Zach, we like it. We love the the energy. The bags under the eyes felt like a inside joke. <laughs> not sure where that came from. Uh, uh, my bags okay. have bags. So I think the, the, the theme is clear of this show and then maybe of Restaurant Idea Factory as a whole. It's the intersection of humans and machines. It's really, really in so many different facets, what we're trying to understand, what we're trying to navigate these days thoughtfully with hospitality always at the forefront internally 
and externally. So AI at the show, who wants to jump in? What would you guys see at the show specifically, or what do we want to see more of? What, what was moving and shaking? What was scaring you on the AI side? What do you got? For me, I think the AI with voice, it's something that I thought was coming quicker. I still don't use Siri. I mean, we use Alexa just as a DJ, but uh, Toast had uh, the AI kiosk, which was powered by Delphi, which is one of their acquisitions. So for drive-through kiosks, I was able to actually talk and artificial intelligence can work its way through and make sure that what I'm putting on the screen actually shows up on the screen. So voice with AI was very interesting to me. Um, that was probably the coolest thing that I saw at, at National Restaurant Association show. That, the voice stuff that SoundHound was doing was pretty wild too. Which was yeah. that SoundHound was the yeah. they're integrated with uh, the Toast technology. Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't they, go. To, I didn't go to their booth specifically though. We 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 have some content on them, like with the in-house sound stuff, and then the drive-through. They have it so that if you go up to any like an independent coffee shop and you order like because you're used to now the Starbucks vernacular, you say, I want a skinny vanilla caramel latte frappuccino. It'll translate it into That's the pretty language. good. Is that what you get? Is that what you get? It's definitely <laughs> what he gets. Half-calf? Half-calf. <laughs> That's hilarious. I went, I went into, here's a funny story. I went into there the other day. Double she, pump? Triple pump? Leslie was like, I need something more than half. So I was like, like a 60-40? Yeah, and I went into the, uh, Gregory's Coffee over here. And I ordered like, can I get a half cap of like 60, 40? The girl looked 60, at me like, I asked her to do like, oh my God, I asked her to do like a advanced algebra. I was like, just a little bit more. Fuck out of here. 60, 40? Yeah. So that's what you do in Connecticut? Yeah. What happened? What happened to the New York? from New York to Connecticut and gets all bougie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a, I can that's like the person goes, can I get the medium rare plus? And Kyle would have been the, the chef in the kitchen go, what the fuck is medium rare plus? So right in the deep fryer. You want 128 degrees exactly? I got you. Here. Right in the deep fryer. Here's, here's the thermometer right up your cool 60, 40 light ice oat milk. <laughs> wow. Not for me. It's not for me. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. Wow. Maria on, uh, on LinkedIn just said that's a great feature. So let me just you, translate Maria. that real quick. So basically it's taking the vernacular, <laughs> the lexicon of coffee orders in the whole ether and saying, this is how people order coffee <laughs> at Starbucks, probably being the main mover or, yeah, you can say Vente, Vente, or Pete's Grande. or anything. So you can use any terminology and they have translated a multitude of terminology used at other coffee shops that then your one-off coffee shop with automated voice can then translate that. That's interesting. Right. I like that a lot because people have become very programmed, self-programmed into they order their coffee exactly like they want it. They don't even think about it. It comes out of them just automatically. Well, you know, what do you have? And they just spew it out. What is your coffee I order? Who? Go order you now quick. I don't Me? drink coffee. Not ever. You no. don't ever drink coffee. Don't touch it. Really? Nope. You drink no tea, co no coffee, no tea, no, no caffeine. Mexican Coke every once in a while? No caffeine? No Red Bull? No, no five-hour energy? I'm fucking this crazy without. You guys You guys don't want caffeine anywhere you near like me. Jitter bug? You like jitterbug? Are you jitterbug or what? What's up? Are you a jitterbug or what? You No caffeine at all? How do you do it? Yeah, I'm just nuts, man. I, I don't know. I get up <laughs> at 4 a.m. with no coffee, Sean. That's wild. <laughs> can, you even, uh, can you even imagine that? No. no. I don't drink, I don't drink, uh, I don't drink it, coffee until, like, 
eight, nine o'clock in the morning. It, it's interesting. So I, I actually have done like a lot of cupping. I've probably cupped, tasted uh, maybe a hundred, 150 different. <clears throat> uh, what did you say? Cupping? Cupping. What's that? Cupping is the, the official term for professional taste testing of coffee. Professional taste testing? Yeah. So this, this happened. Do you guys know who cupping? Bob Burnquist is, the pro skateboarder? Bob Burnquist? Second only to Tony Hawk in fame. He lives in San Diego. He's the neighbor of of, of my my mom's in Vista. Bob Good Burnquist. friend of the family. He's got that mega ramp that Danny Way jumped over the uh, Great Wall of China. They practiced that at his house. So anyway, we used to hang out with them all the time. His dad met his mom in Brazil. They're Brazilian. He's an American because he was like, he's like some coffee expert. So he taught me the like intricacies of tasting coffee. <laughs> Juxtaposed to my dad, who drank a 64-ounce mug of 7-Eleven coffee every day, so I just was, like, grossed out by coffee. I don't drink coffee. But for restaurants, I've had to taste quite a bit of coffee, and I've actually gotten pretty good at tasting coffee because it's slightly revolting to me. So if the fact that I don't <laughs> despise it, it must be pretty good. <laughs> so, What's your coffee order, Kyle? Me? Be honest. Ice cold brew. Black. Like black, like his soul. Da, da. <laughs> black, cold brew. Black. Wow. Interesting. You? I, I thought you. Yeah, I, I, I thought you put some. Latte, I thought you put some flavor on it. I don't know. No, I'm purely for effect. I'm about to have my like fifth coffee of the day right now. Damn. <laughs> well, if no, you're drinking that much coffee, you can't have a complicated order. <laughs> I can't stand. I don't even know what people are ordering half the time. Like Juliana had a sleepover one time, and I get like seven coffees for our friends. It was like a four-page article i had to read when i got there we just went on no you should have i should have to answer you cupping. all right voice i think the big takeaway cupping. zach is voice voice is <laughs> that's, going the, to be that's the, the takeaway thing. zach is cupping yeah. cupping ai cupping cupping it <laughs> sounds it sounds kind of dirty right it sounds, sounds very dirty. A little dirty <laughs> generally just i just wanted to like flex that that i've been trained by a professional cupper <laughs> Make coffee with caffeinated water. How do you get caffeinated water, guy? That's what? how do you make caffeinated water? Make coffee with caffeinated water. Have you yeah, ever heard Clark, of caffeinated on some, water? On some weird caffeinated shit. Water with coffee. Caffeinated water? What? Playoffs? <laughs> There's a lot of confusion on their end over there today. What? Cupping. Okay. Apparently, we need to have a segment and just talk about coffee because there's this is like a whole other world. Of coffee. It's uh latte art. Voice <laughs> voice ordering coffee, biggest takeaway. <laughs> that's that's what the time was seized to me. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Guy Clark, yeah. off the menu. Anybody wants to know what we're laughing about, go on to our uh, LinkedIn page and check out Guy <laughs> Guy Clark's comments. All right, guest experience. There you go. There's your coffee guest experience. All right, we got a couple of little little bits here in our last segment, eater etiquette. This is all about the relationship between customer and uh, and staff. So we got a couple of things to talk about here. The murky future of QR code menus. This was by Angela Pagan in the Takeout QR codes, guys. We've talked about it. I think we're going to talk about it a lot more that menu experience for people. Here's what uh, Angela wrote. QR codes are a sanitary solution over paper menus. They present the opportunity for digital storytelling. Menu updates can be made quickly and for cheaper than full reprints of a physical menu. Some QR code services like Menu Tiger 
Beacon Stack or My Menu offer additional features like the option to display the menu in one's preferred language, the ability to order and pay for a meal from one's smartphone. So that's, I think, some of the positives and then kind of the negatives were both customers and restaurant operators say that having cell phones sitting out on the table can ruin the dining experience. There's also a population of diners for whom smartphones aren't readily accessible. Poor Wi-Fi or data coverage in areas can render the tech obsolete. Digital menus might also be leaving some money on the table. People are less likely to order expensive items via their phones than placing an order with a human server. All right, we got some pros and cons there. Let's pick that up. What do we like about pros, cons, QR codes? Are they dead? I think the New York Times straight up said that QR codes are dead. Bullshit. <laughs> New York Times is bullshit. New That's York Times is article. not tossing facts for Sean Walshef today. Get the fuck out of here. That's horseshit. Are you telling me people don't have smartphones that are coming into restaurants? That's what the New York Times is saying? Not in your, I mean, they're saying people are over it. It's a, it was a novelty. Yeah, people are over it is different than era. people not having smartphones coming in, like a, a, a base of diners. What base? What percentage of diners are coming in that don't have smartphones? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I think it's, I literally, I'm literally going to go to Bulgaria and the people at Bulgaria <laughs> in every fucking cafe has a smartphone on the table in their face. What are we talking about here? Oh, there's for sure people that don't. Like, and I think about people. So my my dad has a brain injury. I can barely get him to use his phone. He doesn't know how to scan a QR code. He's, okay, I'm not he, saying that there aren't. I'm he's 73 years old. Right, number. that's a very micro number of people that that have that need. So, and I think people have addressed that to some degree. I've seen places that kind of have multiple options. There's a QR code, or you can request a menu. Maybe have a menu. Know, maybe that's some of it. I think the QR code experience is just kind of dog shit. We were just at Acre or Stem Cider at Acreage, just like beautiful spot, cider place, kids running around outside, tables outside. We scanned the QR code, it was fine for ordering, but it's not it's not experiential at all. And I think that's okay for some concepts. I think when you're at the fine dining all the way down to casual dining, maybe if the menu is part of the experience, that makes sense to me. But QR codes are not going away. They're going to innovate. They're going to become a little bit more dynamic, more experiential. Some of the comments that I got on a, on a You Heard video talking about this, we're talking about how people have used you them. Heard? Even, you heard? Wait, you heard what? <laughs> What'd you That's hear? It. You heard. That's okay. That's what I ask everyone. You heard? Got it. You heard. So uh, people are saying they're using paper menus, but also have QR codes potentially on menu items that, you know, have a video of the chef talking about that dish, something I've talked about a lot, like make it experiential get to have the chef come to the table without necessarily coming to the table. So I think there are some experiential things that you can even layer on top of the paper menu, so to speak, which I think is key. But paper menus are traditionally, we've done a pretty shit job of keeping them fucking clean. That to me is a big issue. Like I go to, we talk about red flags, right? The bathrooms, Kyle and I with the fryer oil smell, the dirty menus was a big one on there that a lot of people mentioned. And I agree with it. Like if you have coffee stains on stuff, wine stains, sticky laminated menus, give me the QR code in that, yeah. in that case. So you have to be able to manage that operationally. If you have a better experience than the I have, QR code. I have code. a question. How did you, how did you read this New York times article? From the subscription. What's that? From the dollar a week subscription. From the digital subscription. Yeah. Oh, you boy. didn't have the paper delivered to your house? Hell no. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly Ironic. right. Ironic. 
that the oh. New York Times is writing an article about technology and they're <laughs> delivering it through technology to talk shit about clickbait you into sharing it to talk about it on our show. There Very was probably ironic. a QR code somewhere in an ad. No, none of us bought the, the fucking newspaper and read the newspaper. Yet we're talking about paper menus. Ridiculous. <laughs> here's, here's Guy Clark. Not today, NYT. Uh, guy said, use case I've seen was an Indian restaurant that used small QR codes next to each dish that took user to a quick video showing what the dish was made with. Yeah, I think there's some experiential things. I like that. I've seen some people that took them out to the farm, you know, very Portlandia-esque. Here's the chicken that we that you are eating right now. Here's here's that kind of experience. Oh, yeah. So I think integrating it with whatever physical space you want to, that makes sense to me. Being nostalgic sean and saying oh the paper menu is better i don't think categorically you could you can say that in any way shape or form so you through have to paper, kind of pick through the paper newspaper is how the you paper say it. newspaper people yeah. reading the paper newspaper on the trolley on their way to work correct <laughs> i saw that gary v thing yeah, where he's like off. oh kids are just on their phones and he's at this old timey where everybody is on the on the subway yeah, or something exactly. all reading their newspaper not talking to each other like it's no different we interact the same no matter what there's always barriers to communication. Okay. QR code menus. It's a hot button topic. And I think there's, there's reasons to integrate a lot of things that the companies that are, that are innovating that, that it doesn't just go to your menu site, that it ha is more dynamic. That's a little more experiential that the UX of it, right? Like I've been to somewhere you have to like scroll across, right? Because it doesn't fit on your screen so you can only read part of the description you got to scroll across or then you're trying to minimize it and it does or doesn't minimize so the, the experience of the qr code for sure is clumsy doesn't mean you go away from it it absolutely has a place yeah it, it just needs innovation that's all okay lastly here we go we'll talk this the tipping economy is tipping out of control this was by shep hyken in yes. forbes you guys know I love the historical stuff. He went back. The practice of tipping began in medieval times in Tudor, England. Tipping was a master surf practice. It wasn't around until around 1850 that Americans started tipping. It's no longer about anyone, servers, taxi drivers, hotel staff, etc., receiving a tip for good service. It's now become an expectation. Just a few years ago, it was customary to tip a server in a restaurant 15%, boo, or mm -hmm. more if they provided outstanding service. Today, customers are being pushed to tip higher numbers, also to the point of making customers feel uncomfortable. The new term that's being used to describe this phenomenon is tipflation. I had not heard that. Another term that he threw out that I hadn't heard was tip creeping, which refers to other businesses outside the hospitality and traditional service industries that are now expecting customers to tip their employees. Mm. You guys heard of either of those terms, tipflation or tip creeping? Never heard of either one of them, but I feel like every place you go to is asking for a tip now. Like every place you everywhere. go everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere, hard. which unfortunately hurts the places where that's still yeah. a part of the actual need of the business model. Right. So now people are saying, Well, I tipped so much when I went here and I tipped so much at my dry cleaner. I tipped so much at this business. I tipped so much at that business. I'm going to tip less at the restaurant business, but those other businesses aren't built on a model where tipping is necessary. The restaurant is so this is deeply affecting the restaurant industry uh where's somewhere you guys have been where the tip line showed up and you guys did or didn't tip but you're just like what the fuck is going on here it just happened to me every just this morning shop. when you got coffee yeah it, uh, probably but it's like every coffee shop 
I forget what it is. But yeah, the suggested tip amounts are also creeping up. Like I noticed out in Montauk in the Hamptons, it's like starts yeah. at 25%. Yeah, I've seen 30, 32, 35% on some of those. Do you guys feel that? Do you guys feel the social pressure when you're there of going, oh shit, like I have to tip here because they have a tip line? No. You guys are making that decision irregardless of that if tip line. If you're married to an Eastern European, it's very easy to make decisions in your life. <laughs> do you want to live or do you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> Sean, if you put a tip on that, you will die. <laughs> put a tip you put a tip in their mouth you take it from our mouth Ooh, there you yeah. go. that's fair damn. Damn. damn i think somebody guy maybe you somebody needs a consolidated list of the places that they would recommend that you should be tipping and what maybe is reasonable expectation and places you shouldn't be expected to tip because right now i think there's a lot of confusion and i don't blame consumers at large of being confused and there's definitely some animosity getting pointed towards restaurants because that tipping is 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 necessary there but they feel like they're getting they're getting hit up everywhere they go so i think that's definitely costing restaurants in tips for sure right. it's because you're getting you everyone's just getting inundated with it everywhere they're just desensitized they're not, they don't feel like they have to do it to the restaurants as much because they're getting hit with it at the convenience store at this coffee shop the dry cleaner it's too much it's too much. Yeah. Those numbers, um, you have tip lines on there. What are the numbers that you feel like are those automated tip numbers or do you keep those out completely, Sean? Uh, I don't even know. I'd have to look. Come on. But I know we're pretty sensitive towards over by making people, putting people into brackets, like making them at 20%, 25%, 30%, like forcing some fake percentage on them. I did, we're definitely against that. Yeah. It should be up. It's it's up to the consumer to tip based off of their experience. Yeah. I really don't know what I would, if it's 15, 20 and 25%, is it 15, 18 and 22%? Like that's a, it is definitely a, a decision that you have to make as a, as a company. If there is the, the one but button push on your technology that automatically populates those numbers. Don't do that. I think you have to be thoughtful about that. If it ends up for one reason or another being that you have on there 18, 25 and 28%, that's your decision. Make that decision. Definitely don't let the technology platform make those because they have some cookie cutter tip line, you know, page on their technology. That's a, a very serious decision you got to make. You, and don't trust anybody external to be the one to set the expectation for your company. So take away there. All right. Tipping a lot more to come there. All right, guys, action pack show humans and machines was a big one here. That's it. Everybody Cupping was the big thing. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, Kyle needs to learn how to cup. And so Kyle. do I. Cupping. Jensen, Jensen's going to put on a cupping demonstration. Those, the next show. Chef skills. Tune in next week because <laughs> Jensen is going to put on a cupping class. You were like, cupping, cupping. Oh, shit, cupping. He just made that up. Yeah. I, th I, I didn't think it was real either. Cupping. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to tell oh, people yeah. to do that. No, I'm going to, I'm going to tell tens of thousands of people that I I'm, I'm a cupper. Cupper. <laughs> cupper. cupper. Uh, real quick. Clark. Guy Clark, from a poll I did of 1,200 members in my group, average of good service was 20 to 25%. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for, for good service. 
I think that I think that makes sense. That's that's where I, I'm always what's great up. service. Great. What's, what's great service? Twenty five yeah. to twenty eight. I don't know. Have you t- have you tipped fifty percent? I've tipped ridiculous amounts. Yeah, it's a sliding scale as as it goes up in value for sure. You know, like I'm not tipping that on a two hundred dollar bill, but I might tip that on a ten dollar bill. You know, mm. I run in somewhere quick, grab a drink from a homie, things like that. One big thing with tipping, I'm always taking an account is if they do comp anything, which I don't recommend people do. Don't comp stuff, send out more stuff for free. Big difference there, right? But the, the comp, you got to make sure that you include that in the tip number. If you're getting a hookup, make sure that you're not taking that oh, yeah. number. Make sure you're taking that pre-comp number and applying the tip from there. That's, I think, sometimes industry people mess that up a little bit. You get the VIP hookup, but then that, uh, that discourages the, the employee who's getting that tip. So there's your cupping and uh, <laughs> tip on pre-comp. Those are your big takeaways from this show. All right, as always, everyone, get into the comments. Thanks, Guy and everybody. In, uh, LinkedIn was, was hopping today for the comments. We appreciate that. We appreciate the banter. It helps us. And uh, we want to always be talking about what's important to you. So you can go to restaurantideafactory.com. There's a form. You can share ideas with us, share gripes with us, share links to New York Times articles with us, whatever it might be. Your cupping story. Individual cupping story. And if for some reason you want to hear more about cupping, (laughs) DM me at Jensen Cummings. There we go. Cupping videos. No, this is getting this is getting weird. Now I'm gonna have to drink all this coffee. I don't think I've done cupping for like three years. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see it. Uh-huh. All right. Great show, fellas. Cheers. Later. Cheers. Subscribe to full episodes Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn.